Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. With a year of our Lord 2022 coming to a close, it's time to tie up old business. For us, that means catching up on our, on our thoughts for a season one of a certain spy thriller set in a galaxy far, far away and all the twists, turns, and intrigue contained therein. So fire up the hollow chest table and pound a quart of blue milk because we're coming in hot and heavy with this episode 120, Star Wars and or season one review. I am your Uncle Todd and with me, as always, is the man who has consumed enough saturated fat within the last two weeks for his blood type to register as golden eggnog. He has been my partner in idiocy for over two decades in decking the halls with strip steak and bacon. I give you you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. And all I have to say after that intro is, mmm, fat. <laughs> Are you just like eating Crisco with a spoon now? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's on the diet. No. <laughs> hey, ain't no carbs. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing well, sir. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, someday, and this will be very far into the future, instead of embalming <laughs> you, they're just going to be like, Matt, he's pretty much just like pickled from the fat. Like, he is saturated. You know, and yesterday... You'll oh, be like a wax. You'll be like a wax figurine. That's what it'll be like. He is, it'll sop out of your pores and just this, be this protective coating around you. Quite possible. Well, yesterday it was announced uh, there there were scientists that had achieved at least a major breakthrough in what is considered to be the uh, you know the uh, golden chalice of clean energy fusion, and uh, you know maybe that's where I'm headed is is I'm I'm going to be that other source of clean energy at some point. Yeah, they're going to instead of uh, you're going to get um uh oh my gosh. Uh, what is it? I, I can't think of what it is now. Like when you when you die and you are cremated. Um, cremated. Thank you. My oh my gosh. So we're so we there's a there's a cemetery down the street. I promise this will tie in. There's a cemetery down the street uh, from where we live, and we were going for a walk. And my wife likes to go and walk in the cemetery, which I am a little vaguely concerned about because I think she's picking out a plot for me. <laughs> She's trying to pick out some place where she can just like a freshly dug grave will not, you know, attract a whole lot of notice. Mm -hmm. But at the back of this cemetery or this one portion of the cemetery, we kind of do a loop around. Mm -hmm. There's a building back there. Yes. With no windows. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, is that the place where they uh, where they uh, uh, is that the place where they burn the people? And I'm like <laughs> the crematorium. <laughs> Oh it's boy. Like, my gosh. It's it's bad enough that we're walking in a freaking, you know, cemetery. At least use the proper words. Like yeah. just, is that where they torch the corpses? Like That's oh my right. gosh. 
now I know that my days are numbered. Like she's totally going to take me out and she's going <laughs> to dump me in back of the place that they burn the people. Um, yeah. What they're going to do is you're going to instead when you get cremated, you'd be like a candle at that point. They'll be so it'll be like all the wax. You'll, you'll burn for like five, ten weeks. They'd be like, wow, that's powering the entire township well because the whole thing with fusion is they're they're fusing you know atoms together and it's producing energy so it's like a self so if like for me if i'm all like fueled up with with that fat it's like you know i'm i'm, I'm producing energy so you're actually providing a public service service is what you're trying that's to tell that's what me. i'm saying well you know what you're probably doing a hell of a lot more than i am so who am i to stand in your I'm way trying. continue sir I'm continue trying. thank you i shall I shall. Good. I, I didn't think I, I was going to stop you at all. I had no illusions of that. Trying to take a steak away from you. Be like, <laughs> draw back a bloody stump. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> Tim, he's one heck of a guy, but oh my gosh, don't try and don't try oh, and mess with the meats. Gosh, what was that line that Wyatt Earp said in Tombstone? Uh, uh, Oh, I, th- I think I was thinking of the skin that smoke wagon, but that's not what I was thinking of. Anyways, uh, <laughs> well, there's our there's our uh, our uh, you know our our averted uh, tombstone tie-in for the week. We almost had one. That's right. Oh well, that's right. Oh I, my I actually gosh. broke out a tombstone meme at work because uh, we were we were having you know a a, a status meeting, and uh, and this one individual just sounded very like. Uh, Doc Holiday, you know, cool, calm, you know, just that sort of thing, and and I and I wrote in the chat, I'm like, oh, so and so sounding like Doc Holiday, and I posted the Amya Huckleberry. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't post that. I have not yet begun to defile myself. No, nah, we didn't want to go there quite yet. It wasn't, you know, a Friday evening happy hour or anything. So. Ah, so they know you, but they don't know you. Know that's you. right. That's right. They don't. They don't know you like Whiskey Bar in Denver, Colorado. Know you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, yes. All that being said, uh, yes. now that we're we're knee deep into the show and nary a, a piece of information has flown from our lips that is actually useful to anybody in common discourse. Uh, thank you all for joining us for this episode. And uh, before we get into our main topic, which we'll be reviewing uh, kind of the second half of yes. Andor season one. But I mean, I'm sure we'll refer back to the beginning of season one. Oh, yes. I mean, why not? I mean, I, I know I'm going to because I have some bones to pick. I know that Tim is going to be very adulatory in his praise. I, I however, I might have a few uh, a few nits to pick with this. Uh, but and oh boy, I have a tie. I have a little bit of trivia tie-in for you to the Thrawn book series that you are. How Andor has a character that is tied into the Thrawn book series you have just read, my friend. Um. Well, yeah. Didn't they mention Pelion at some point? Nope. Not Pelion. Oh. No. Later. We'll get to it later. Okay, okay fine. Well, in that case, get us into the Week in Geek. What, what's the news of the week here, sir? The Week in Geek. Feels so funky. Well, uh, typically I, I have a whole lineup of things going, but then Uncle Todd imploded that this morning because he said, <laughs> we've got to discuss this. He, he has... He has a concern. He he has something that is that is you know not so much scratching an itch, but causing him well, like any sort of itch, you scratch and it irritates. And so, Uncle, I've Todd, got a rash, is what he's saying. I, I have this, I have this horrible rash. Because back when we started the show, we thought we would get one episode out of this topic, but this <laughs> this topic, much like the Undertaker making his entrance. 
for a match, which usually takes about 10 minutes or so, just continues to keep going and this going is, and going. And much this is like, more the, like the cat came back the very <laughs> next day. Much like when you think you have the Undertaker beat and then he sits up, you know, it yeah. just doesn't go away. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. But I will uh, I, I will yield the floor uh, to the senator from the great state of Maine in terms of his concerns pertaining to a certain character who will not go away, who will not simply retire and let his career be. Who saith uh, you is uh, bothering you, sir? Well, we're going to call this one Brady Geddon forever, uh, because at this point, <laughs> it, for two reasons, it seems like he's never going to retire. And also, this reminds me a little bit of, of Batman forever, like the worst of all Batmans. Um, so and, I, and again, like just to reiterate, I don't really follow the NFL except on a very surface level, like every so often I hear something and I'm like, oh, OK, duly noted. And uh, and of course, I, I like to watch the occasional uh, video from uh, That's Good Sports on YouTube. A little bit of a plug there. Sorry, excuse me. My seltzer is giving me trouble today. But anyway, uh, so so the I, I saw this come up se- like three or four times on Facebook over the past couple days. And it's not so much something that's bothering me as it's not that this might happen is bothering me. It's just the the institutional stupidity that it would take for this to happen is what bothers me because that does bother. I mean, it kind of it, it, stupidity bugs me, which is really kind of funny and ironic when you when you factor in the name of this show and just me in general. Uh, but it does bother me. So there is a there is a rumor. There is a a thought there is whisperings, there is, you know, uh, particular fondlings of, of bits of news, <laughs> Fondling, uh, fumbling in the dark, I don't know, in a coat closet, and this My is all goodness. kind of coming to heretofore, <laughs> and there's this idea that after this season, Tom Brady will not be playing anymore for the Buccaneers, which kind of sounds about right, because they're floundering right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that there is a an idea that he could come back and play for another season or two for the New England Patriots. Uh-huh. And there's people who actually think that this is a good idea, which is why I think that at this point I should just be blasted into space because I don't want to live here anymore. I don't understand how anyone really thinks this is a good idea. Well, as, as the fantasy football owner of Tom Brady, I'm, I'm all for anything that keeps him in for a couple more years and uh, racks up some points for me. So I so the article I again I'm just going to completely ignore that this is uh, that fantasy football is a thing. By and the just way, move on. Oh New my England gosh. defense won me my match last night, so I am now in in third place in our in our league. Thank you very much. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Just and a little I tru- sports update. Dan I truly Dan am. Dan as Dan long Dan. as I don't have to deal with it, it's great. <laughs> um, so. There's this whole thing about like, oh, well, he needs this. He needs that. And uh, here's the problem here, folks. The the main focus, at least from what I can glean from what I've from angry uh, Patriots fans posting on Facebook and just the little bits of news that I, I've heard here and there, because, again, I don't seek this stuff out. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem <clears throat> that the Patriots have right now is that their offensive coordinator sucks. Mm-hmm. Which, when you think about it, makes a whole lot of sense since the guy who's your offensive coordinator now was your defensive co- coordinator once upon a time, 
left to go coach the Lions. I don't even think he made it a full season there. He got poop canned, got brought back, and they said, hey, you want to coach offense? Like To me, this doesn't sound like any kind of logical career progression that you would actually want to see happen. This sounds like something went it's very wrong. Boys network. No, no, this is like something went very wrong in the HR department. And sudden, somehow this person got put in. It's, it's almost like, you know, Costanza uh, getting put in charge of the Yankees or something like something went terribly wrong and assumptions were made. And mm-hmm. and Matt Patricia is just he just isn't going to say anything. He's just cashing his checks. So your offensive coordinator sucks. How does getting Brady as your quarterback solve that problem is how what I would really like to know if that is your major problem. How does that solve that problem? bringing in a quarterback who is going to be on the wrong side of his mid 40s because as far as i know the last quarterback to act as his own offensive coordinator was jim kelly ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. so tom isn't calling the plays i thought peyton called plays when he played well and here's here's the i'm sure people will be like you know what and first of all whatever with this peyton stuff you know yeah whatever they gave it was basically like they would give him three plays and he would call one out of the three i'm talking about like a quarterback (laughs) right from out of his head so kind of like you and me playing madden (laughs) exactly (laughs) and i mean i'm not saying that that doesn't involve some type of judgment or whatever but I'm, i'm i'm like that's not oh I, there are other quarterbacks who have done that not a ton because that still does take discernment and and making quick decisions and i'm not mm-hmm. trying to say peyton manning is this horrible you know dummy or anything what i'm saying is that just most coordinators don't work that way there's probably a couple others who could do that not a ton but a couple others but as far as like actually just calling the game from the huddle Jim Kelly was the last guy I've ever heard of doing that. Okay. Because he, he, he purely called the game on his own. Like, he was his own offensive coordinator. So the idea that you're going to remedy whatever problems are going on with the Patriots right now, which, I mean, what, they're 500 or something like that? Uh, as of last night, they're now 7-6. and six. They're above 500, oh. but they're still in last place because the AFC East is uh, pretty competitive. Well, and so here's the thing. And the idea being that like, oh, well, you're going to get Brady and it gives you a chance. It doesn't give you a chance because the days of 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 having like an absolute stranglehold on that division and only having maybe one team who is a, who is a vague competition are over. They're done. Mm-hmm. You know, the it, it, for a period of time there, either the Bills or the Dolphins were were, you know, kind of flirting with competence. But never at the same time. Yep. And then the Jets have been doing Jetsy things since like 2002 and have not really had much influence on the division at all. Mm-hmm. And it now appears that at least they're flirting with competence, which for them is like, oh, my gosh, they're about ready for ticker, t- ticker tape parade at this point. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that they haven't managed to like completely poop their pants by midway through the season. That's like cause for some serious celebration. Um, <laughs> however, the Bills are better than you. Miami's better than you, whether or not you have Tom Brady as your quarterback. So the problem being with this whole idea and why this is baffling to me, why people who I know who are actually like people who I, I, I think are, are reasonably intelligent and think this is a good idea. It just blows my mind because the thing is, if you're going to do this, let's just say you're going to bring back Brady. You're going to do three things. And 
two of which you don't want to do, and one of which is kind of like you probably ought to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. First, you're going to spend more money because Brady's going to uh, right now. Right, uh, he's making it ends up, ends up being like 15 million salary, 10 million dollar roster bonus, which somehow accounts for like 30 million under the cap with NFL math. Um, he ain't playing for a hometown discount, so you're going to pay him around that. That's a going rate, right? Mac Jones makes two million next year. You tell me where the where the where the bargain is and what you're going to do to help the rest of the team. So you're going to spend more money. Second of all, you're going to get rid of your future mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Brady is more than likely not coming back and having Mac Jones waiting on the bench. So for him to break down and for Jones to come in, he ain't going to play that. I'm going to guess. I would say that it would be, be a very hush-hush sort of thing, but that would probably be a condition. And even if it isn't, do you think Mac Jones is going to want to stick around? Mm. He's going to be he's going to be bucking for a trade until they finally get rid of him. So your entire your future is gone. Not to mention this uh, this Bailey Zappy dude or whatever his name is <laughs> that that people fell in love with, like Scott Zolak, you know, circa 1996. Um, you know. The Zoe. Both of those guys might be gone because Brady doesn't want the competition. So you're going to be in a position in a year or two of doing the exact same thing that you've been doing for the past two years, which is moving on from Brady. Congratulations. You've just looped yourself into like some weird friggin', you know, back to the future scenario where you're encountering yourself in, you know, in your own past timeline. The third one is you need to get a real offensive coordinator, which is what you ought to be doing in the first place, whether or not you bring back Brady. So why Mm -hmm. don't you just fix the thing that's freaking broken and forget about all this other crap? It's going to be cheaper. It's more streamlined and you're moving forward instead of like just at best moving a little bit and then you're going to drop off the shelf again. But think I mean, of does the this dollars. make sense? Am I, is think it of just, the dollars. Oh, yeah. I mean, your jersey sales go up, but I mean, that only takes you so far. The big money is if the team is actually winning because ticket sales, I guess, are going to outstrip uh, jersey sales eventually. And if you ain't winning, people ain't showing up. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I am I completely off on this? Do you does does this make any sense to you? I think it's a glorious idea. He should come back, and they should go for the undefeated season that never was. And that will yes, be the final you're capstone totally, to his career. You're totally going to have an undefeated season going up against Josh Allen and uh, and Tua twice in a season. It could happen. It, yeah, it could happen. You're <laughs> right. It totally <laughs> could happen. What do you say, what do you think the odds are of that happening? I'm just curious. Uh, it's it's you know very very low. I'm sure very low. Yeah, I, um, I would say so. I, yeah. yeah, I I don't think it's about as about about the same as me getting hired on to be one of uh, one of Lady Gaga's backup dancers for her new for her next tour. That's well, about we, the, you know much like the article that you uh, you know linked up here uh, as as is quoted in here, in here. You know you are a longtime Lady Gaga follower. So yeah. As long no, as you I'm, put long time in front of your your position you claim to have, apparently true. you're an expert because Bill Simmons was quoted as being the man who knows the a man who knows the man. Voice of yeah, and and just for the record, Which, I, not so much a Gaga sort of fella. I'm I'm much more of a of a uh, of a Pink fan. That's ah, that's gotcha. if I have to if I have to go there. I'm I, I yeah, think I, would, I 
I I think the longtime NFL voice is is a little bit of a misnomer, especially since he's focused most of his energies in basketball. But you know, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and the fact that you know his voice. He's written a couple books about basketball, like the history of basketball. So. Yeah, not to mention his voice, by his own admission, oh, is is a very nasally gosh. and and not exactly like someone you'd have as your play by play guy. So. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's on both fronts, really. Yeah. But I mean, does this make any sense to you? Am I am I the am, am I completely off base here? No, I, I don't think you are. I think uh, what, what I find funny is is how this is becoming a thing after the 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 Bucks were just completely beaten into oblivion this past week, and and you know, I seem to recall whenever Brady's team, you know, when he was on the Patriots, the same thing happened when, whenever he, you know, got blown out, there was always these calls of, Oh, he's moving on or he's going to retire. or He's going here. He's going there. I mean, it's all, you know, because he's not having the success that everyone's accustomed to him having, you know, it becomes a thing. And, uh, you know, of course the, you know, the, the interesting, entertaining, dramatic, you know, kind of storyline there is, oh, what if he goes back to the Patriots and they, they, they make another run and that sort of thing. And so I, I, I don't see the point. I mean, quite honestly, I don't even know why he's still playing. Um, I, I'm not one of those people who was happy to see him come back. I, I kind of, when he retired, I kind of wish he stayed retired because what else does he have left to prove? You know what I mean? Like, like he, he's done more than, than, you know, 99% of, of, of the players who go through the league have ever accomplished. And, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I don't know if it's just playing in the games is what motivates him, but, but I, I just, I, I don't know what it is that, that, that motivates him at this point. I mean, he, he went to a different team. He won the Super Bowl in his first year there. Um, he won finally with a blowout, which, which really rankles me because as a Patriots fan, those six he won with us did, did not exactly come easy. Um, so it was hard oh, for no, me they, to they see took, it come They easy. took years off your life is what they oh, yeah. did. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm healthier eating a steak than I am standing in front of, a, you know, one of those Super Bowls and watching it play out, you know, because oh, I, I mean, I, between all the Patriots Super Bowl games and the just the 2004 Red Sox playoffs I mean oh yeah yeah it, it, that like there's a there's a definite downturn in life expectancy in the New England area for people mm-hmm. who live through those through those years yeah totally and it, it had to be so difficult so so yeah, yeah I mean if he came back it would be a total gimmick thing and you know given you know given the the makeup of the team you know it it's it's unclear that he would be any better off with them than he is with Tampa Bay right now you know I mean um, well, the thing is, I think it's more for the team. Like it, the team wouldn't be any better off. Like forget Brady. Brady's going to be fine. Like uh-huh. Brady's going to do very well. He's got he's got a half a billion dollars waiting for him that Fox is going to pay him to be a talking head. Uh-huh. I'm not worried about Tom Brady. You know, if you're the Patriots, like who cares about that? Like, are are we as a team better? Like, that's what you're hoping for. The attitude of your, you know, if you're a fan that your the brain trust of your team is thinking screw getting him his his money like are we going to be better and i don't think you are i really don't no no i mean long term you're not i mean that first season might be though because think of the energy I and, don't. and and the motivation the players ah, playing with this guy you no, sir are a, a pessimist of the highest call that energy is great for a few games but that energy is not going to keep a team going for 16 17 games through the playoffs to the super bowl not with a bunch of kids who are who it's not like i mean yeah they have an emotional kind of engagement with brady because they grew up watching him play you know 
but I mean, are any of them really going to be that motivated? Like this guy coming back and be like, yeah, we got to win one for Tom. And if your offensive coordinator is still crap, what does it matter? Not to mention the fact, like I if think. he was going to be, if he was going to be having a great season, he'd be having it in the NFC. Cause one thing I do know is the NFC right now is junk compared to the AFC. Mm-hmm. He would have a, much harder time getting through the AFC, getting to the Super Bowl than he would where he is right now. Unless, I mean, unless like the earth opens up and swallows Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson tomorrow. I don't I don't really see how all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, waltzing through the playoffs and, and getting another Super Bowl. I really well, don't. If, if Mario Bain shows up in those cities, it might happen. If, if you watched uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know. Yeah, but that's a gimmick thing. Huh? I mean, can you really get at that in multiple for cities the people the people uh, all right well that's well, I've, well, that's well, about wait, all I wait, wait. Yeah, but, but i do have one I, I do have one scenario to run by you here oh you, boy yeah you, know, you mentioned you know, you know you mentioned patricia not being a great offensive coordinator maybe this is all a scheme by belichick to you know it's like a puppet regime sort of thing like it's really gonna be brady coming in and being the offensive coordinator and and you know patricia's kind of the you know the the front man for it but it's really brady you know that's so brady's gonna shots. be the calling the plays on the field that's yeah, what you're saying absolutely Wow, you must you must have some really good bourbon over there right now. That's hey, this, all I this, can this say. This Coval is uh, quite nice. Thank you. That ain't that ain't happening, Spanky. Well, it just isn't. That's I, not I how the it, game is played these I days. I think it could. Well, okay. There's a lot of things that you've thought over the years were a good idea. I mean, those bad <laughs> pants your junior year in college, for example. You thought those were a great idea. And then you were asked to, you know, to go and entertain <laughs> kids at a birthday party because they thought you were a clown. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, you know, we think are good ideas. I thought it was a good idea to wear, uh, you know, to wear shorts with Doc Martens back when I was in college because I thought I was, you, you know, go. a descendant of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Looking back at it now, it's a little bit embarrassing. Well, you know. And that's the bottom line. There Anyways. we go. There we go. There we oh, go. Oh, my gosh. But Anyways, do you, do you think, well, well, is, is this the end? Is this I, the last Brady Geddon segment ever, or are we going to have a whole other episode? Oh, you no, think? we'll have, we'll have an, it won't be an ever be another episode because I, I can't be informed he enough. He is the undertaker of the NFL. I kid you not. He is the Mark yeah. Calloway. <sighs> Just, Just limp off, limp off into the, <laughs> up into the sunset. But you limp back. <laughs> Come on, Cletus. Come on. <laughs> I throw this right between the cracky of ass. Oh, oh, I missed the clumps. One of the all-time classic scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, enough about that, that bum Brady. Um, <laughs> yeah, that bum. Seven-time world champion. <laughs> Woo. All right. Um Next item for the Week in Geek, uh, A&E, uh, who over the last two years have uh, recently run uh, two seasons worth of uh, WWE biography episodes, which if you have not seen them and you do see a, a rerun going, uh, all of them are, are well done. You know, as is typical for the brand, the biography hmm. shows in and of themselves have always been uh you know, very well done, a lot of depth to them. And, and I was kind of curious how the treatment of, of the wrestlers was going to work, but it's been very good. It, it has been, uh, 
you know, it's not, you know, not that I thought they would do like a farce sort of approach to it, but, but it's wrestling and you never know how, it, you know, what kind of treatment it's going to get. But, yeah. but well, really, I mean, then again, WWE with their, with their own documentaries and the co-branded yeah. documentaries, I mean, mm-hmm. the Andre the Giant doc, mm-hmm. the CM Punk doc, that Paul Heyman doc, Undertaker, yep. Last Ride, uh, the, the Bill Moody, you know, uh, Paul Bearer mm-hmm. documentary real all really well done oh yeah you know? so i mean it's yeah. it's not a shock that you take like hey we make good bi- we make pretty good wrestling documentaries yep. we make really good biography shows let's mash these together if it turned out to be crap that would be the surprising thing right right and 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 you know they they in, in all these stories you know i i really enjoy how they get into the humanity of these guys you know and, and yeah. gals because they're they're you know at the end of the day they're they're no different than you and I. It's just they they do something on a much you know wider platform you know that the world sees and and they're known for that and and so uh, they are going to be uh, releasing another set of shows starting in actually January. Um, oh. This is according to uh, Pro Wrestling Insider. Uh, they will be doing episodes on Kane. Randy Orton, uh, Paige, or now she's known as uh, Saranya in a- uh, AEW. Uh, okay. Dusty Rhodes. Uh, sorry, yeah, the Uncle, American Uncle Dream. Uncle will be all over that one. <laughs> the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. One that I'm interested in is Ricky Steamboat. Uh, very... Ooh you know, very underappreciated and, and under, I don't want to say underrated. I think he's largely recognized as one of the great tech, you know, Matt technicians of his time. But, um, but, but, but when they did the macho man um, biography and he went into depth about how for months he and macho man were basically macho man laid out. I think he said it was something like 270 steps to their match. And they, had to mem- like like memorize those steps so that like during those months when they would be on the road they would quiz each other every so often like step 51 take it to the end of the match and they'd have to rattle off all the moves they were doing like the fact that that WrestleMania 3 match which is largely regarded as one of the greatest matches of all time mm. was so laid out and so choreographed by Savage and Steamboat and the way and 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 what was great was when when he first starts talking you know, Steamboat, he says, basically, you know, people ask me, were, were we trying to outstage Hogan and Andre? And he's like, absolutely, we were. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. I mean, they, they had they had what was and still is probably considered one of one of the great matches. I mean, you can go back and watch that and it holds up. It, it isn't like, you know, it was a match from the 80s and you just kind of like, oh, that was a fun match for that time it's a dramatic match and, and they do an amazing job with near falls and everything. So I'm really, you know, curious to hear, you know, his story and, and maybe to hear a little bit more from his, from, you know, his perspective about that match. Uh, this one's interesting, Jesse, the body Ventura. So block your road. <laughs> very interesting considering how he was persona non grata for, uh, with Vince for the whole, uh, Oh yeah. Union deal absolutely but 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 you know and and unfortunately not unfortunately from my perspective growing up in the 80s ventura will always be the heel to the face gorilla monsoon uh announcer ventura had a wrestling career and i just never really you know i just never saw him in that light he was always a well yeah he was he was pretty much retired from from actually from in ring at that time now i can't remember why that why i'm sure it was an injury of some kind i think so yeah yeah i i I do think so but he 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 was so good as an announcer and it was such a loss you know for for me i felt it was such a loss but of course you know he 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 uh was let go and moved on um 
you know, when he was trying to form a union and kind of go against Vince. So, mm. uh, so that'll be an interesting story. And then finally, the story that Uncle Todd will claw and scratch and find a way to see because I yeah, know Bubba. he doesn't have A and E, but the Iron Sheik baby, Sheiky. His story Make you humble. will humble you. <laughs> Put you in the camel clutch. <laughs> Suplex you. Break your back. Make you humble. He will. He will. Which I don't know how they're going to do that, because quite honestly, I'm not sure how you do a better job of that than than Sheik's own movie. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like that's going to be repetitive because they yeah. I felt like they really did a great job of, of kind of getting through his history. But who yeah. knows? But that will be a, that will be a good episode, yeah. So yeah, just looking forward to that starting in January of next year, uh, or soon to be. Uh, I mean, it is next year, but soon to be in about three weeks. Our our current year of twenty twenty three. So do well, check I'll... it out. Um, and so that is what is what is coming to us, and then what is leaving us. Ah, uh, yes. And 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 you know, Uncle Todd the and I are streaming gonna... giveth, and the streaming taketh away. Indeed, and and we're going to be uh, popping some popcorn and trying to get this in while we still can, because last I checked, it's still on on the streaming service. But uh, apparently, uh, HBO Max or or the overlords of of that service, which is soon to be called Discovery Max or or just Max, apparently. Yeah, um, yeah. who knows at this point. Good Lord. Uh, but they are going to be uh, basically dropping several titles as a cost-cutting maneuver. I'm not quite sure how that's a cost-cutting maneuver since they own the rights, I assume, to those shows. But I Well, I, I heard know. that it was actually because they're going to repurpose them into another streaming app that they're trying to launch, uh-huh. which I don't get because I'm like, you're already com- – you're, so you're combining apps and then you're you're breaking off another one. Like, how does this make any sense yeah. what-so-freaking-ever? It's consolidation through diversification. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's like between between what's going on with Warner Brothers Discovery slash HBO slash DC, it's like organizational syphilis. It's like they're all losing their freaking minds over there. Like nobody knows what's going on. They just know there's a burning sensation, and they they can't quite figure out how to get rid of it. And it's just like in the meantime, their brain is gonna is it's just gonna slowly ooze out one of their ears in the middle of one night. I really wanted to watch season four, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to get be, be able to get through all that before they they finally punt it. We'll see. I know I'm not going to be able to. We'll I'm, I'm guessing it'll. I'm guessing that if they're taking it off, they'll be at the end of the year. Yeah, ain't no way I'm going to plow through all those episodes Ooh. between now and then. I am going to go on vacation soon, so maybe I can sneak, you know, s- sneak it in in the evening or something like that. Get through it all before they they cut it. We'll have to well, see. Here's what I want you to do. I want you yes. to, as you're as you're watching. I want you to record what's going on and that way i can listen to it as like a as a, like my own podcast of your description of what's happening in the episodes it'll be like listening to the radio back in the old days and All if right. you could do it like an old-time radio announcer, that would be even I'm gonna better. I'm going to try to do it in the voice of, of Jim Ross as best I can. And, oh, and, uh, that's great. The man in black out of nowhere. Um, that would be actually awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well... We we bid adieu to Westworld. Sadly, uh, a at one point <laughs> we bid a standard again <laughs> a standard bearer of of sci-fi, and no, no more. Uh, but on that departure note, uh, that my friends is the weekend geek. Well, thank you, sir, for. Uh, well, I guess I supplied at least a third of that. So thank you, <laughs> two thirds of the weekend geek. Um, 
and then my ranting supplied all the rest. Uh, but now we're going to move on to the subject at hand. Of course, that is Star Wars and or the oh my gosh, you're working that freaking cork over there. How much? Of, why don't you just put a straw in the bottle and be done with it? Every time I start talking here, going for another nip. My God, man. I, I just love to hear the reaction. I know that you're over there trying to find something to thin out the blood and keep it pumping to move around the chunks of cholesterol that is lodged in your veins right now. Sweet mother of God. Oh, gosh. You're, you're going like, to be so lubricated by the end of the night. You're gonna, it's going to be like you went to Taco Bell and ordered everything off the menu. <laughs> Might still not be doing that. We'll see. You'd be running to the bathroom and leaving a snail trail behind you. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, my gosh. I almost spit out the seltzer I was just drinking. Thank you for ah, that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh. So we're going to talk about primarily the second half of uh, Andor Season oh, 1, yes. Episodes 8 through 12. Uh, sir, you're going to have to guide me through this because I, I finished watching this in a flurry of activity just to kind of get it done. And I got to be honest, I, I felt like... I felt like I kind of needed to go back and rewatch the entire season. You do. To really to really grasp everything. You I do. feel like there was a lot going on there. I was not my loins were not properly girded for the <laughs> sheer amount of like stuff happening. Jeez. What? Oh boy. I, I I just didn't think you'd be referring it to you know girding one's loins, but okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, you got to gird them that sucker up. You got to make sure that nothing's, you know, you you don't want to get a get a stray Wookiee kick. And, you know, That's you true. That is true. Right that in the R twos, you know, you get it. You got to be careful. Absolutely. But anyways, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this. So because you're you're probably uh, much more astute and and more prepared for this than I am, I'll try and hope that some sort of recollection happens as we go through. Indeed, indeed. So what we'll be talking about when when we did our our prior episode, we did episodes one through seven, uh, with episode seven being uh, the announcement. So we will be covering uh, eight through twelve, and then you know just kind of talking uh, at a high level of the overall season. Uh, although after Uncle Todd's intro, we won't be hearing much from him apparently. So <laughs> because he needs to go rewatch it all. So <laughs> I'll I'll be here. You I'm, know. All right. All right. I'm just checking. Just Kinda. Checking. Just checking. All right. So, uh, so we'll be talking about our, our, and not, you know, obviously not doing a, a blow for blow description of all of these episodes, but um, the back half of the season encompassed uh, Narkina 5, uh, episode 8. Uh, this is where Andor is transferred into the prison complex uh, and uh, begins to stay there. Episode nine, nobody's listening, uh, which is kind of where that story kind of peaks out um, with a, a shocking discovery uh, of, of what uh, prison life will be for them. And then episode 10, one way out, which is uh, really the prison break. I mean, mm. this season overall has everything. It, 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 it has an absolute, you know, all out street battle in, in episode three. You have a heist in episode six. You have a prison break in episode 10, and then you have what I feel is like Star Wars version of, of, of the Godfather, kind of the end of the Godfather with, with, with Rick's road. So, uh, and then in between there is episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix. So that's what we'll be discussing. So, you know, just to start with that kind of back half of the season, um, 
you know, from from my perspective, and and of course you are free to disagree. Yes. Uh, episodes eight through ten felt like kind of a three episode arc, similar to one through three, similar to four through six. Seven mm-hmm. kind of was on its own, but eight through ten felt like kind of the prison narrative, and then eleven and twelve were kind of. I don't want to say they're like individual episodes. They, they do kind of relate to each other, but, uh, but yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on, uh, on, on those episodes in the back half of the season. Uh, what'd you like? What did you not like? Uh, what stood out to you? I really, really, really liked the concept of the prison. I thought it was mm-hmm. just, it was such a fantastic idea of, of, and a, a very, easy way of of explaining this is this is how we keep this many thousands and thousands of prisoners in line without having to have an equal or overpowering amount of guards yeah is it at any time we can just electrify the floors and just shock the living bejesus out of you and and keep everyone under control Mm -hmm. i thought that was just it was so great because it then it was so easy to explain and didn't require a ton of special effects or any of that stuff. It, it was just very easy to explain. And it plays into a lot of those games that we play as kids, like the floor is lava and, and all of these things that you're, you're familiar with. So everyone kind of gets that. And then it becomes almost like, like Jaws. It's the shark in the water and you're mm-hmm. constantly waiting for something to happen, you know. And then it ends up playing into the actual prison break. I, I just thought that was, that was a really clever narrative item. And of course, being there, we also got Andy circus, which I mean, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like to me, uh, it's really hard for me to decide if, if, if I'm going to give the MVP of the series, because I, I think it's a little too easy to give it to Diego Luna. I mean, he, of course, he's doing all the heavy lifting. I'm talking about someone besides mm-hmm. the main, you know, title lead. Dude, it, it comes down to Andy, uh, to Circus, and Star and Skarsgård. Oh yeah, and it's really hard for me to pick which one because I mm-hmm. mean, even though he was only in three episodes, he was such a part of the atmosphere. Yeah, of that, and and to see his own arc play out through those three episodes was was great. Yep. Yeah, um, I really like that. And uh, and I just I really liked um, kind of that furtherance of of watching Andor get to a point where you then believe like, OK, I now see how he got from the starting point to the beginning of Rogue One. You know, I don't it, we're mm-hmm. not there yet, but I definitely see how we get there. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate just kind of seeing the, the the messy beginnings of 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 the rebellion and and all of that. Um, yeah, no, I thought I thought I thought those parts were were really good. I when it comes to episodes eight through ten, I think Diego Luna is the hero of eight because and and when you go back and rewatch it, fo- like like focus on just his his focus on the physical of what he's doing, the physical acting he's doing. Because when, when I rewatched it with my younger son over Thanksgiving, because we started, I think at like four or five, cause he, he had only watched up to that point. Mm-hmm. But when you go to eight, Diego Luna, and, and, and I feel like the strength of this episode is, or not episode of this series is 
the attention paid to the small things, the 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 details. Mm. When it comes to Skarsgård, when it comes to Luna, when it comes to Andy Circus, the the facials, the the you know the body language. I mean, throughout that episode, there's just this denial of reality in terms of what his character is processing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like th- th- that one, ep- that one scene where he's introduced to his room or, or his cell, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And he stands on that floor and he waits until the last possible second before it flips hot and then jumps into his cell. Like there's just this constancy throughout that episode eight of, of the, just the, the body language and, and twofold. One is Andor naturally is a rebel. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he pushes back against his situation when he's not able to, you know, basically execute his own sort of free will and, and freedom. But there's also a denial of the reality he's in. Like when we finish seven, he's just like, Hey, I'm just a tourist. I wasn't, I didn't do anything, you know, like, like I'm, I'm unjustly being put into prison here. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, he's just part of one of the biggest heists in like galactic history. Well, which yeah, is... that, that of course is the irony in it all. And, <laughs> and of course, and he gets, know, and he gets nailed for essentially like jaywalking. Basic. Yeah. Basically gets nailed for that. And then, you know, and then on the flip side, the funny part is, you know, uh, Deidre Miro of course is trying to find him and, and the irony of, well, the Empire had them the entire time. They're just so yep. big they don't realize it. So, <laughs> yes, yep, <laughs> is 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 not you know the irony there is not lost on you. But but the, the the physical acting that is done and the way he conveys the horror of the situation he's in when he stands there and he's watching this crew work over and over again. And you, you know, I'm sitting there like, why isn't he doing anything? But but I, I'm trying to think about being that, that person that's thrown into this situation, you know, unjustly and, and, and without cause, so to speak, and, and beginning to like process what my new reality is going to be and, and, Mm. and the horror of it all. And, and this series does a phenomenal job and and you've joked about this as as, well, we both joked about it, you know, throughout our star Wars themed episodes, but you know, the empire is always framed as just a bunch of like, you know, boobs, basically, you don't know what the heck they're doing. And, and, you know, it's almost like the Keystone Cops in a way, right? Mm-hmm. But this series really does a very nice job of establishing the ruthlessness, the viciousness, and and just the the inhumanity of of why they were the big bad from the very beginning, and 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 just does a masterful job of it. I mean, the fact that they have these crews going twelve hours, thirteen, in order, it was twelve to fourteen hours a day, basically assembling parts, and then just getting, you know, completely, you know, if, if you're that team that underperforms getting, you know, shocked and, and mistreated and, you know, the food is garbage and, you know, it's just, it's, it seems like a very, like by the time episode eight is over, even going into nine, there, there's just a, 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 almost like a, um, I'm trying to think of the word it's like relentless or it's almost like, like you, you almost feel like you feel for the prisoners, you know, the, just, just the drain that, that, that has to have on you over, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And, and yet at the same time, it it's a masterful detail to show, well, okay, here's how, and you know, we don't end up finding this out until the, the, the post-credit scene in 12, but I was already thinking of it in episode eight, but I, I, as I'm watching them assemble these parts, I'm like, okay, here's how they explain how the empire was maybe able to grow and build and expand 
to the scale that they did. Cause that's always kind of a nagging question. I've always kind of had in my head as I've watched these movies and these shows is how on earth did the empire get so big so fast, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here's one way to do it. You take your prisoners and you turn them into basically slave, you know, slave labor is what they were. Yep. And yeah. so I, they, so anyways, they, they just did a great job just kind of painting that emotional and, 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 and mentally, you know, just dominating picture of, of what these prisoners go through. Poor Olaf, who ends up, you know, having a stroke in, in nine, um, you know, mm. as, as the older prisoner, but ultimately being the key to understanding really what their reality is. And, and the way Andy Serkis plays that in nine and then eventually 10 is really the guy who galvanizes all the prisoners to really make a run for it. Mm-hmm. Um, was just, I mean, just so well done. And, and I, I mean, just very strong performances all around, you know, across the cast, not just one person in particular, but, you know, Skarsgård shines in, in 10, you know, Circus shines in 10, Luna shines across a few, you know, episodes across the season. Um, and, 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 you know, the dialogue is strong. Um, you know, 10 has that, that, that amazing dialogue or, or monologue by, by Luthen at the end about the cost Actually, of what he's doing. That's 11, I believe. Uh, no, 10 is I thought the, we talked about, I thought we talked about that. No, no. 10 is the speech. 11 is when he uses the Fondor to, uh, ruin the, um, uh, tractor dish. Okay. All right. Never mind. You're right. So, so yeah, I know. I mean, it just, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's, it's funny. We're, we're quibbling over when the best parts are happening in which episodes. So it's like, yeah, true. I mean, there, true. There, there's so much, you know, there, there's, there's just so much and you, and you do, you lose track of kind of where some, some of it falls, but, um, but just such strong characters and strong dialogue for a star Wars show, you know, like not, that's not what star Wars is typically known for. It's, it's, you know, it's certainly the heart of the characters and the, in the heart of the story, but this series to me went deep in a way that Star Wars hasn't gone deep, I think, in a long time, if ever, and 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 just did a very masterful job, um, you know, through those three episodes. I'll stop there because we, we can talk about 11 and 12, but um, yeah, I'll throw it back over to you. Yeah, I think that uh, they the Star Wars has not gone this deep, uh, not outside of... Uh, any of the books, you know, I'm not talking about novelizations of the actual movies. I'm talking about like the expanded universe, the legend, whatever the, whatever the crap they call all the books that tie in and what, which one, whichever ones are considered canon now and which ones aren't, I don't know. Cause uh, you'd have to, you'd have to ask the scruffies that they would, they would know far better than I would. Um, but no, you're right. They totally haven't. I think the closest they've come to that was rogue one mm. where you actually start kind of getting, some more of that detail and that's what we you know obviously this is you know playing off of that and 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 meant to tie directly into it so of course it would um i think (laughs) i think it's funny because um one of the episodes we'll have coming up here in 2023 we'll be we'll be talking about uh the new or well not new like new ish uh thrawn series that kind of talks about his his coming up through the ranks of the empire and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And reading that and then also thinking more about this show, man, I got to tell you, George Lucas ought to be like seriously kissing all of these people's asses because they 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 are doing so much heavy lifting to make the empire look badass that he did not do in his movies. Yeah. 
Like you can't get out from under it the fact that like stormtroopers can't shoot straight. Mm-hmm. The Empire looks like a bunch of boobs. Like now, like going into this, I can start kind of understanding it. Like it is it is a bureaucracy, so it's inefficient and it's it's big and it's sprawling and there's people who are infighting and all of this stuff. So okay. That at least helps to explain why there's some why there's some degree of incompetence, and that there's almost mm-hmm. like once there's some momentum, it just takes so much time to for it to kind of stop, you know, to to really overcome that. Even though there is just a bunch of you know dumb things and dumb people doing dumb things, um, but it, it 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 the shows like this. Uh, you know, some of the books and things like that, they they show you that nastier edge of the Empire that you didn't get in the original trilogy. Yep. Now, granted, hey, you know, it's whatever. It is what it is. I just think that that Lucas owes a very big thank you to a lot of these directors and writers who have gone out of their way to to really build the Empire up into something that is not just, you know, in control, but has an edge it's vicious like there is a cold calculating viciousness to it that comes through in a lot of these other things that don't come through in you know a new hope empire and jedi it just doesn't um so i hope that he said i hope that george sends him a very nice fruit basket each holiday season and and you know a a nice warm like hey thanks for uh, fixing all the problems (laughs) i have love george you know i hope i hope he sends that to them you know, every year because he, he, they, they, they've earned it for sure. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, like one of the themes that echoes, you know, throughout the series, you know, that goes all the way back to, you know, return of the Jedi is, is Luke's statement to the emperor that, you know, your overconfidence is your weakness. And, and, and that is the misstep that, that happens throughout this series with the empire. And, and it is, and that is the thing that Luthen Skarsgård's character is trying to leverage constantly. I mean, it leads to him basically sacrificing one of his, you know, one of his own group, um, much to the, you know, chagrin and, and shock and, and to some degree understanding of Saw Gerrera is, is when, you know, when he allowed the, uh, um, you know, that assault on, um, gosh, what was that? Um, yeah, spell, I mean, spell house, I think is what it was called. That, that, that shipyard where Anto oh, Krieger. Solace, wasn't it? What's that? Was it Solace? No, no, it was called like Spellhouse. I think was the name oh, okay. of the uh, shipyard or whatever. And and the rebels were going to attack, and then the empire was tipped off, and 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 you know he and Saw have that whole conversation where he's got to put the gun to Saw's head, you know neck to basically get him to listen, you know about you know not going and doing this. And and I think we talked about this last episode about how mm-hmm. you know we start to see the seeds of his paranoia get planted with this whole activity because. Luthen's, you know, the the most important thing to Luthen is keeping the empire at 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 the highest confidence in in where they sit and where they stand. And as soon as they start to get suspicious, he knows that things are going to start getting more complicated for them. Well, and he also he wants to push the empire to become more vicious. Yes, yes, because as it is right now, it's it is kind kind of in that middle ground of like well this sucks but you know what it's not that bad right he's like no it needs to get bad in order for people to become motivated to take action yep yeah because you know much like much like the 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 prisoners they're getting they're just kind of used to it like they've just become numb Mm -hmm. and they go through their day and they're just trying to make it through that shift 
Yeah, and, and if you if you can get entire populations and planets to do that, things are a lot easier for you. Right, and and even you know when he's talking with Mon Mothra, who, who we'll get to in a moment, when he's talking with her, and and you know she's, and this may go back to maybe the first half, but when she's you know f- kind of reacting to the heist and and the implications of what that's going to mean to so many people, mm. you know his whole point is this is the problem that they've been subtle in what they've been doing and we've allowed them to do it. He's like, we need them to overreact. We need them to overplay their hand in a very obvious way because that is what breeds rebellion. Yep. And unless you have that, you're not going to have the sort of result that they're going for. And, and so it's this, it's this recognition of doing what you must do. I mean, later on in 10, when he has that, that, that amazing monologue and he's like, he makes a statement, something to the effect, I won't have the wording right, but you know, he, in kind of in the middle of it, he says, you know, I'm, I'm reduced to using the tools of, of my enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he, he has to, he has to force their hand. He has to push them in this direction. If he's going to get to the result, you know, that, that formula he talks about that he worked out, you know, the equation he worked out 15 years prior that has one result to it, you know, like I, this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, I just like how, they, they being the showrunners, Tony Gilroy and others have, have just done this really amazing job of, of really kind of framing how complicated, complex and, and deep, um, you, you know, the motivating factors for the rebellion were, and quite honestly, how much, you know, like we talked about last episode, that article about how much of a miracle it was that the rebellion even formed at all. Oh yeah. Uh, given well, how, mean- how all these groups were so disparate from one another. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this, there's the true believers, but you kind of start to understand, like, Luthen is a completely different animal from the true believers. Like, Mon right. Mothma is a true believer. Luthen is more in line with the way that John Wick is described, a being yeah. of sheer will. Yep. And understands what he's doing that there is he's not going to be remembered in the history books there's not going to be statues of him even if all this turns out well that he is essentially sacrificing himself his humanity and in some cases maybe even his morality yeah in order you know for the cause right and you and again you get into the where andor is at the beginning of rogue 1 of what he is, of what he has done, or not uh, in in Rogue One when he talks about what he has done for the rebellion. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this makes sense now. Mm-hmm. This is where this is the guy who brought him into this, and in a way, Andor is 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 leaning more on that side than he is of a Mon Mothma character. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's very interesting to see how that goes, and and ultimately it gives you a little bit more reality because you're like, this is a person who's necessary. Right. You know, that one person who's like, I, I know I'm not making out, I'm not making it out of this alive. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore I'm just, I'm maxing everything I can out, you know, like I am playing all the cards leverage to the hilt because I have no illusions that I am going to make it to see this thing through, through to completion. Yep. And Skarsgård plays that so well, like managing to have that nihilism with with it, like this glaze of hope over it, 
but there is this just heart of like, yep, you know, I'm using the tools. What have I sacrificed? Everything. Everything. Oh my god! What a dude! Someone just get that man an Emmy right now. <laughs> just, just like email that to the to the judges and be like, mm-hmm. here, we dare you to give this to someone else. You yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, so good, so good. And just the way he kind of wanders back and forth between those two characters is is really good too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, his his character for me is really, you know, he he went from being this enigma in the beginning to you know you know damn near being you know especially after 11 with with what happens with that imperial you know ship i came away from episode 11 feeling like like i don't ever think i've gone into a star wars movie or or show you know so basically a star wars property and came out of it ever thinking to myself this was almost at the same level as 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 the millennium falcon and han solo you know, like, like not that Luthen operates like, like, you know, what Han Solo's character is a, as kind of a rogue character, but the calculation and the strategy and the anticipation that his character shows with his ship and with dealing with the Imperials in that one scene mm. was so unbelievably interesting to me and, and, and just fascinating. And, and I'll use the term very cool. You know, like to, to take the concept of a tractor beam and finally maybe break some physics out and say, okay, you want to suck my ship in? I'm going to throw a bunch of crap at your dish and watch what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's being sucked in at, you know, five times the rate of what it normally would do. <laughs> yep. And you're doing it for, you know, for me basically. And, and just the way he just kind of dispenses of, of the TIE fighters and, you know, just that whole scene just kind of, I felt like summed up his character. Like he's just, he is a strategist. He is, he is a chess player and he's always anticipating and trying to be five moves ahead of his enemy mm-hmm. or his opponent. And, and so I just, you know, from 11, you know, there's more to 11 than that, but for, for whatever reason that just stood out to me because I'm like, you know, the Fondor is kind of now to me, like a little bit on at, at that level of the Millennium Falcon. You know what I mean? It's just this, it's this cool ship. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, this, this, you know, he, he's, I don't know. I, you know, I haven't seen the John Wick movie, so I don't know if Wick is, you know, kind of like a, a, uh, you know, prepared for all contingency sort of guy, but, but that's what he strikes me as, you know, just someone who is overprepared, always, you know, having a plan to kind of get out of the bind that he's in. Um, and, and so I just felt like that just elevated his character to just, you know, after that monologue in 10, just from an action standpoint, elevated him all the more. Oh yeah. And he's definitely, he is calculating is the right word is totally the right word. Like this is a guy who Han Solo kind of plays it, you know, right out there on the ragged edge and is almost by, by comparison is much more Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. You know, like just, I can't believe that worked out sort of thing. Whereas Luthen is like, he, he just always leaves himself an out. He always has something in reserve. He always Mm -hmm. is thinking like, okay, maybe I can just skate with this and I don't have to use this other stuff. All right. Well now I got it. Okay. I got something for your ass, you know, that sort of, that sort of character. Yep. Um, Which is great because we haven't seen that all that much in, star wars not really no no i mean the closest i've come to someone who who has this many answers is grand admiral thrawn just from reading books and stuff like that but manages to do it in a much less annoying way 
uh, with, with, through Luther, where it's <laughs> it, it's not like, oh, okay, this character is perfect, great, right, um, right. Luthen is is it just comes across better, yeah, uh, as much more human and natural. Han dumps the Falcon in with the Imperials' garbage. Luthen throws garbage and destroys their their equipment because of it. It's the circle of life. <laughs> hey, real quick, just want to jump over to Mon Mothma. Um, yes, because what I like about what I enjoy and, and appreciate what they did with her character is I really felt like they kind of brought in a, a political kind of games of, I, I know you haven't seen the show, but like a games of Thronish sort of approach with her character dealing with the politics and the maneuvering. And, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, what, what I really liked about how they, how they use her character is to really show you know, kind of at this stage, how, how almost impotent her character is when it comes to dealings in that Senate, you know, like, like, like we have a couple of times when we see her trying to present her case about something and either the news of the day, which I think was the heist kind Mm -hmm. of distracts everyone. So no one's listening to her. And then I think there's another shot of her. It was either in eight or nine where she's trying to talk on something and no one's paying attention to her. Oh yeah, they're like actually turning off their lights. Yeah, like just yeah, like they're just like walking dark out and, and, and taking off. Yeah, and and you just see like, and and that was powerful because it really kind of shows how you know what we saw in the prequels with the the very kind of vibrant and what appeared to be very engaged and and present Galactic Senate is just completely just you know falling apart now. You know, like mm-hmm. there's. Like there's no surprise why in a new hope they say that the emperor has has basically dissolved the senate because the senate is really either under his control or they just don't care anymore. Yes. You know, they they just kind of fall in the line with what he wants. And so um you know she's kind of this like last voice and you know one one thing I want to touch on because I know we're um you know we're tr- we're trying to be mindful of time here um is I I find her and Andor in kind of an interesting situation. Andor basically loses his last family member you know like we know his sister's out there but but marva was you know his anchor Mm. and now that she's gone it fuels him in the direction of going to luthan and looking at the rebellion as being maybe this new family for him Mm -hmm. mon mothma is now on the verge of sacrificing her family like yeah her daughter to a marriage that will cover her financial situation and allow her to maybe operate um, in the way that she needs to for Luthen. Not to mention just the the soap opera that is her marriage. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. And and yeah. And the way like in that last episode when she throws her husband under the under the bus for the gambling oh, and everything. Gosh. <laughs> on on one hand, I'm like, wow, she's really going there. On the other hand, I'm like, get him, <laughs> get him. <laughs> Can't stand this dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? Better yet, throw him out the car. Throw him out the car. Who cares? Yeah. So, so really getting a sense of the cost, you know, of, of, of what this is costing them, you know? So when, you know, I kind of feel like when, when I go back and watch, you know, like Return of the Jedi or, um, you know, I, she was supposed to have, I think a role in, in Revenge of the Sith or no, not Revenge of the Sith. What was it? Um, no, I know what you mean. Was I think it, the it was wheels she was supposed to be in, but, but anyways, just, no, wait, she was a prequel. I think she was okay. supposed to be in the, um, or Rogue I think it was, One. I think it was the third one. No, she was in Rogue One. Yeah. She was in Rogue One. Okay. Yeah. But to know, like, when you see her again, 
that there's a cost that comes to who she is. Like she isn't just this bit character you see. And it's like, okay, this is a leader of the rebellion. It's like, no, she's a leader of the rebellion, but there was a cost that came to, to, you know, her being in that role. And, mm-hmm. and it just gives some gravity, you know, it, it kind of enhances her character. Her character already had gravity in the way she was kind of presented in return of the Jedi. But now yeah. I feel like there's going to be even more when we really understand in season two, like what, what was the cost you know, that mm-hmm. she ultimately had to pay in order yep. to, to see through what she engaged in, you know, with Luthen and, and others. So, so I, I just thought that was really powerful. And, and, you know, I, I thought it was a great, it, it was nice to have that, that, that stream of narrative going on in parallel with, you know, kind of the action piece and, and drama that was going on with, with Andor. Yeah. And, and again, you pointed out right, right at the beginning here, oh, excellent casting, excellent casting. Oh gosh. Yes. Uh, Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma, it was wonderful. Just added added so many different little bits of texture. Um, I thought, um, you know, Deidre Miro as uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Denise Denise Goff as D- Deidre Miro. Oh, she was fantastic. Um, just for like, how do you keep a scowl like that? Like legit, like grumpy cat s. <laughs> Like grumpy cat esque with like the full downturned mouth. I'm like, yeah. I almost, I was like, is that a prosthetic or do you train? Like you train your <laughs> facial muscles to be able to do it. Cause I mean, that's, that's hard. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then of course, circus and star scars guard and just, you know, uh, all of the other folks who are in this and just really good. Um, I, I thought that was one of the big, one of the big, um, strengths of it is that with such a large cast to have actors who even in the smaller parts you believed like they they didn't stick out like sore thumbs you know what I mean right right uh, whereas that can happen sometimes when you when you're getting like these bit parts that are obviously day players and they're just sort of like they're there mm-hmm. but they're almost more part of the scenery like these characters actually felt like they live there you know like yeah. there was there was there was some they got some some folks who could legit act yep and 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 fit them in, into these parts which was was good you know i mean rather than just being you know fifth dude from the back it's like oh that's yep. a that's an actual person what you know what, one thing i just want to call out with with the cyril karn character and da and and deidre amiro that and i don't know if you picked up on this from like episode 3 and then episode 12 is is i i really I found it interesting how, at least for those two characters, it wasn't true of all Imperials, but for those two characters and the way they carried themselves, Cyril, you know, from episode one through three, and then Deidre through the series to 12, when they got caught in, in, in the crossfire and in the battle that happened in the streets of, uh, of Ferrix, mm. I really liked how when they all came out of it and, you know, kind of after when, when they extracted themselves from the mayhem, Cyril was shaken. Cyril was like dealing with like PTSD almost, you know, like mm. afterwards. Right. And the same thing with, with Deidre, like after she was, cause I mean, she was about to be mauled. She was about mm-hmm. to be mauled by, by the mob and Cyril pulls her out. And the way she's just kind of like shaking after that, like, I like how they like, like, how do I say it? Like, as we've seen in the movies and stuff, they get put in these like high pressure, high, you know, action situations and they just kind of come out of it and they're still the same, like, you know, sneering villain afterwards. I like yeah. how they humanize them. 
Like mm-hmm. they have this tough exterior, but deep down it's like they're, they're scared, you know, mm-hmm. quite honestly, like, like, like it's just kind of a nice, I think, um, illustration of, of I think the empire as a whole is there, there's a very tough exterior, but if you punch the bully in the nose, yep, they bleed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a Christmas story, you know, the, the Scott Farkas affair, you know, the, you go after that little <laughs> punk in the raccoon skin cap there. Actually, that wasn't even a raccoon. It was like a fox hat or something, but you go after him and oh, all yeah. of a sudden afterwards, yep. you know, yep. um, oh my gosh, just watched that the other night. It's <laughs> so, so good. Oh, so I love good. it when the father goes down in the basement to deal with the furnace. <laughs> Who turned the damper down? <laughs> oh yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. A um, cloud of obscenity that still hangs over Lake Michigan to this day. <laughs> um. Lastly, uh, and, and I know you don't share this opinion with me, but I felt like episode twelve, Rick's Road, the build up to Marva's speech. Yeah. I felt at least had some, I, I don't know why I thought this. I mean, I, I understand when, when you told me how you felt about it, why you felt that way, or, or maybe why you disagreed with me, because it isn't one for one, like the ending of, of, or that, that final scene of the Godfather, when the five families, the heads of the five families get whacked. But yeah, today I've taken care of all family business, but, but, but I felt like the, 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 the buildup to it, like, like the, the tension that was going on when they, when it jumped from scene to scene, you jump from Deidre to where Andor is to where, you know, Bix is to where I just felt like, like everything was just kind of moving towards this moment. And then everything explodes with this just wonderful speech by, and I don't know the actress's name, but who are, you know, who played Marva mm. where, you know, her speech rolls into this, you know, fight the empire sort of thing. And just all hell breaks loose. And, you know, well, it just you, felt like just kind of su- such a phenomenal build up to that climax of a fight. And, well, and to me, the, the it's not so much that it's not a great speech. I'm not even arguing that. Like, it's fantastic. No, no, the, but, but the, the scenes tension leading up to it, amazing. the scenes leading up to it and the tension. Yeah. I, I mean, I, the cuts are great and all that. I think the what it reminded me more of, because I'm focused more on the on the tension building to the actual speech as opposed to the cuts, like the cuts definitely add that. And of course, yeah. you know, it, it's all just tension building. You're just from the freaking beginning of that episode. You're just waiting for the explosion. Like, and, and it, it, you they keep <laughs> on making you wait. Oh my gosh. It's like just the tease of it is, is, is almost becomes intolerable. Um, but what I thought of more from a, a, a cinematic standpoint is it's it's more like the end of uh, Darkest Hour, mm. where Churchill is giving the speech in in Parliament, you know that sort of thing. Like just the build through it, and then just kind of like the explode, the, like the explosion of emotion at the end of it. That was what it felt like more to me. But that was more because yeah. I was I was probably listening to the words as opposed to you know waiting for Mo Green to get his through his you know his eyeball. Um, <laughs> I made it's, my bones when you were in diapers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the finale was fantastic. I mean, yeah. the finale was fantastic. The, the, you know, the one bone that I would have to pick through the entire series is, and this could be corrected with season two. 
I felt like there was just so much time dedicated to that to that planet where we're we're on the planet with the kids, the Lord of the Flies thing happening, mm-hmm. no subtitles, don't know what the hell's going on, and three episodes of that to establish like, hey, these two are really close. Yeah. Got it. And then it really didn't pay off through the rest of the season. Like there wasn't anything else about that planet necessarily or something that couldn't have been communicated a little bit quicker. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe we're going to get maybe we're going to get some callbacks to that in season two because, uh, you know, you know, we're getting to season two. But that was the one thing about this whole thing that I felt like it just, you know, people give give Marvel shows a hard time for taking a long time to get started. It's like, oh, good God, it's a good thing that they gave you the first three episodes right out of the gate, because otherwise, if watching one episode of this, I might have been like, I don't know if I really want to. I don't know. I, I mean, one episode. OK, well, I'll, next week, surely we'll move on. And after two weeks, I probably been like, OK, three weeks and we're moving on. And mm-hmm. If I hit the third week and we're on that planet and it's more like no subtitles, I'm like, all right, screw this. <laughs> pop in episode four you know i i don't know that i could have done that unless i could watch all three of them back to back to back and then be like all right well surely next week we'll be off of this we'll be off of the avatar slash lord of the flies planet surely we will be right um that's my one real big bone to pick through the through the whole series i think it was great it was very different from most everything else we've seen in star wars uh except for rogue one of course but uh, even that, it, it it's very different. Like it, it's, I just really, I, I enjoyed it overall for sure. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. Um, the other thing I just want to call out real quick too, is I, I loved in episode 12, the call back to, um, I think his name was Karis, but he, he, he was the kid, uh, during the, you know, kind of build up to the heist who was writing the manifesto. Yes. And how yeah. in 12, you know, Andor's playing that manifesto back. And, and, and it was interesting. I read a couple articles that kind of touched on this, how, you know, it, it almost felt like, like the, the speech that, or, or, the, or what he read from the manifesto or played back was almost an antithesis or, or an explanation for why Yoda and the Jedi failed, because it is, you know, Yoda is try or try not. Right. Mm. Uh, or do or do not. And, and, you know, the, the message here was, was to always try Mm. to always try. And, and I, and and I liked how they're like, like, you know, the articles were trying to, trying to make the argument of here's why the rebellion succeeded versus why the Jedi failed, because there was that, that struggle between try or try not versus just always try, always strive. And we saw that in Rogue One, right? Always move forward. You know, and when and as we move forward, when we get to a stopping point or or we, you know, we hit a challenge, we'll we'll try to see, you know, is there another chance we can take? Is there another, you know, leap we can make, you know, sort of thing. Like always trying to push, you know, for I guess to go back to the weekend geek, always to push the pig scene forward toward the uh you know, toward the end zone, right? Yeah. Um so I, I, I thought that was a really poetic point to kind of, you know, bring that full circle from from that that sequence of of, of episodes, um, you know, where, where that character, you know, seemingly a character who, you know, got, you know, killed off, you know, kind of mid-season, but ended up having a, a very strong impact, you know, kind of in that in that final episode, I thought was really cool. 
Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would agree. So, so now that we have adjudicated uh, the second half of uh, this season, just overall, um, just thoughts on the overall season. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of articles out there kind of calling this one of the best, you know, series or, or pieces of Star Wars content in some time, even kind of putting it above, you know, Mando, which is which is kind of a tall order because Mando kind of set a very high bar, you know, back when it came out. Um what are your thoughts? You know, do, do you agree with that? Do you, I, I mean, I, I don't know necessarily I want to answer the question, is it better than Mando? Cause I think it's just different stylistically, but yeah, as far as content goes, do you feel like this is one of the, if not the strongest piece of star Wars content to come out in quite some time? Um, no, I don't, I don't think it, Oh boy, here we go again. Oh <laughs> gosh. Said, no, I got to, <laughs> Hang on a minute, clang! Like just put a straw in at the beginning, and just you know, let's it's, it's you know that's better. Um, I wouldn't, and when I say no, I only say that because I think I think the Mandalorian has been very strong. I don't think it has to be a matter of like, oh, it's so much stronger, so much better than Mando. I think Mando has been very strong. Um. I think if you take the last like five seasons of Star Wars Rebels, it comes off as very strong storytelling. Um, you know, you take out the first couple seasons. I think it's five seasons, whatever the after whatever's left after from season three till the end. Um, after you kind of get out of the, the more kidsy mode and you start getting into more serious storytelling, I think that's very strong. Yeah, I don't think it has to be this thing of like, oh, my gosh, this is so much better because it's not like it's not without faults. Three episodes on friggin' Avatar Lord of the Flies planet with no subtitles. That really, one episode would have done it. So it's not like it's not without flaws. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if I went back and watched this again, I could find more nits to pick. Certainly. You know? And, and quite honestly, we're still flying around space and doing loop-to-loops and barrel rolls with no seatbelts. So, you know continuity i guess but Come on. uh you know i it's not that i think it stands head and shoulders i think you're right it's different it is a different type of show it's trying it's like trying to compare like mando is a space western yes yes and and this is a a a like cold war spy thriller yep. you know and they don't have to be better than the other they're different enough that trying to line them up together is not going to work very well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's very strong, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's so much stronger than Mando. I mean, it's stronger than book of Boba Fett, mm -hmm. but then again, I mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like thousands of miles ahead of that either. Yeah. I think that star Wars has done a very good job of releasing some, some really good shows. Um, over the past couple of years and they all have their niche. They all have their moments. They all have their, their things. Um, I think the idea of like having to say like, Oh no, it's, it's oh so strong better than eh, just shut up and be happy that it's, it's good. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, we don't need to, you know, rate it all every single time. Like, Oh my gosh, everything else sucks. This is the best. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's it's really a comparison that needs to be made. I think Mando serves its purpose as you know, it has its narrative. It's like I said, it's a space western. It is kind of you know telling this this 
story that I, I don't think anyone really, you know, kind of knew they wanted, you know, with, with him and, 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 you know, Grogu and so forth. The thing that stands out to me with Andor is when, when you look at the season overall, and we've mm. talked about this in, in, you know, prior week in geeks is, is a couple things. One, I think it's strength, you know, comes from the fact that anyone can come into this series and if they've never seen a piece of Star Wars content, they can still watch the series and not feel lost. I would disagree there. I don't. There's I... no reference to Vader. There's one reference to Emperor, which, by the way, that's the trivia piece I wanted to get to. Uh, Colonel Wolf Yalaren. Oh, yes. Character who is in this series referenced in, and I know this because I'm reading it right now, Thrawn, the first book in that new series. Was he uh, in it or mentioned? He is in it uh, as an advocate of Thrawn's after the uh, debacle with the pirates, if you remember. Yes. So I'm he, just trying to remember the, the actor. Uh, the actor's name, I don't have it in front of me, but All right. I, I mean, mean I think not it's hugely been two important. different actors, but, but he, he was in it, but it, it was an interesting tie into the Thrawn book though, because, uh, he, he is, you know, a character and I think he was in the Clone War series potentially, and even Rebels, um, because he has an interaction with Thrawn and Rebels, I believe. So he, he's a character that kind of appears throughout, but he, he showed up, I believe in episode six, he, he has a twirled kind of white mustache and that sort of thing. But he had talked about talking with the emperor and so forth. Um, I, I mean, there isn't a heavy reference. If, if there is a reference, it's not heavy. You know what I mean? It's not like you have to know about Jedi. You have to know about the Skywalkers or Han Solo or any of those characters. If you just come into it, you're just kind of, this will be kind of your first set of characters that you're being initiated to. And there's no, history you have to draw from from prior content to understand them um i mean obviously there's andor and there's rogue one but this is his origin story so you don't really have to know what happened in rogue one i think if you've seen rogue one you gain a greater appreciation for who andor is when you get to that point but um but i i think the accessibility of it is is a strength um as yeah, well as the I, fact I, that I it keeps it all that, grounded yeah. you know it's not jedi lightsaber flippy you know jumping fights and that sort of thing it's you know very kind of down to earth true true yeah because i mean the big bad is just hey it's this big fascist you know you know uh that's the other part i love that is just you know yeah, taking it, over okay yeah oh i guess i guess i know what you i get you, uh, you you're right you're totally you smell right what the rock is cooking all right here we go i, I do yes okay all right um because yeah i i just think that that's i think that's a point of uniqueness for it you know, that, that is not maybe necessary, you know, Mando, I think does a pretty good job of establishing its own characters and not having to know that much of the lore. But I mean, there is still some of it there, but you know, eventually it gets to a point where, yeah, you have to kind of know some of the the background in the universe to appreciate, you know, like, especially in season two, when, when I, I forget what episode number, but when, um, when Ahsoka gets that one character to, you know, say the name Grand Admiral Thrawn, it's like, Mm. If you have no record, you know, if you have no reference of Star Wars lore at all, it's like Grand Admiral Thrawn means nothing to you. You know what I mean? It's like Thrawn only means something if you've read the books or you've seen Rebels or you have some sense of the overall lore of of, of the of the universe in that time period. Yeah. So, you know, that, so that's one thing I think that, that really resonates. And, and also, you know, I love the fact we had no lightsabers. We had no Jedi. We had no force. And like you mentioned, 
there isn't some villain like in Obi-Wan, like the Inquisitors and that sort of thing. It's just, it's the Empire. And and I feel like this was almost like, this was as much of a heel building kind of, you know, season one for the Empire as much as it was a a baby face building, you know, kind of thing for Andor, you know, that that I feel like both sides really got to kind of grow and deepen and kind of build in their own way as opposed to it just being about, you know, the good guy overcoming the bad guy. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And it's it's just a, it's shorthand. Like we, exactly. we know, yeah. we know like, oh, big, bad organization. Okay. Yeah. I say no more. Like, uh, you know, you go through whatever different baddies through movies and okay. Fa- it, it can be faceless, nameless, big thing. Okay. Yep. Got it. They bad. They good. Perfect. You know, it, it's not a, and it's not necessarily having to know like, oh, and that there's who is behind this. Like if you know, then you know, but if not, it, it just functions as like, yeah, here's a yeah. big, bad bureaucracy. No, you're, t- you're totally right. You're totally right. You turned me around, sir. You turned me around. Amen. And one last thing before we kind of close it up. Yes. Real quick, season MVP. Name it. Ugh, I got to give it to Skarsgård. I'm going to go there, too. I, I think Luthen comes out as one of the, <laughs> I mean, really kind of a dark horse, right? I mean, we had no mm-hmm. idea about him going into it. Um, and, and, you know, I made this comment to my, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, I made this comment to my younger son when we watched it. And to me, it lends some power to his character. And what I said to him is, you know, we watched episode 10 when he gave that, that speech, you know, everything, um, that speech. And I said, you know, what's really cool about that is, and and I said, I know this wasn't by design by George Lucas, but no one mentions Luthen in the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And, and. I hate to say it this way, but I love that because it, it basically vindicates the speech he gave. He is going to be what he, I mean, basically that speech he gave is predictive of what his end is going to be. He is not going to be known. Yep. He's not anyone that's mentioned in return of the Jedi. He doesn't appear in the post wheels. And of course it's because his character probably wasn't even thought of at that point. But to me, there's power in that because I think sometimes that that's what gets lost. You know, we, we study history and we hear about people and characters from history, Lincoln and so forth. There's a lot of people we probably don't know about or recognize that maybe had key roles and they just don't end up with the laurels or the recognition at the end of the day because maybe they, you know, met an early end or something like that, you know? Oh, so, certainly. So I thought yeah. that was just kind of a, a interesting play on the past but yet, you know, kind of the future of, of where, you know, the, the Star Wars universe is going in that, at least from that time period. Certainly. And there's, and there's different tiers of that. You can have like just complete unknowns, like who, who had a tremendous effect. Or you can even have people who are somewhat more, even a bit well-known in different areas, but who by and large, a general population might not necessarily, the, the, it wouldn't equate, they wouldn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Excellent example. Uh, just living in Maine, Joshua Chamberlain. Yep. Are you, do you know who Joshua Chamberlain is? No. So Joshua Chamberlain was the commander of the Maine regiment that was in the Battle of Gettysburg, mm. and at the Battle of uh, was it Battle of Little Round Top? <laughs> Basically, the South uh, the the Confederate Army was advancing. They basically had no ammo left, and he ordered a bayonet charge. Yeah. 
and and swung in and took advantage of the fact that they 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 were not planning on that and essentially like kept the the confederates the confederacy of being able to outflank the union lines mm-hmm. and and bust up and basically they it would have given them a bunch much better chance to win the battle yeah that that moment and him you know basically saying all right boys uh <laughs> bayonets and we're charging downhill at these guys with and they're going to be shooting at us and we can't shoot. Not something that everybody would know, but yeah. was very influential in that, in that battle. And then in ultimately the, the way that the civil war played out. Yeah. Um, Luthen obviously not even going to get that much recognition. <laughs> no, you no. Know, I mean, no. where they might, they might mention Andor, uh, you know, for what happened at, uh, at, uh, uh what, whatever the place is, uh, the Citadel where the Death Star plans are stored. Maybe his name will get mentioned some point down the road, but, Luthen? No, no, no. No, no one's going to remember Luthen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's a, obviously a trade that he is willing to make. Yep. Which is why he's the MVP. Absolutely. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He is the rock. Uh, that kind of goes against everything we just said. <laughs> but thank you for contributing. He's more like Jake the Snake. <laughs> he's... Uh... Well, he's not a developmental talent. He's, you know, he would be a little bit more of a Ricky the Dragon steamboat character. There you go. Underrated, underappreciated. Exactly. Exactly. Just without the IC title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the cream of the crop. And another thing. <laughs> what do you got for and another thing this week, sir? Uh, my and another thing is briefly, a, if you will, because again, we're yes, right up against the clock and there's people in my home who want to sleep without me jabbering away. Absolutely. So mine is a holiday, uh, number that I talked about last episode. So no surprise, uh, probably with this one, Christmas with the cranks starring, uh, Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, really just a, kind of a surprise, a, a sleeper, uh, holiday movie special, if you will, that, that, that I, you know, watched one year with my wife and just you know really just kind of fell in love with the story it was and you know it's it's not that it's you know crazy dramatic oscar style stuff but it's just it's just got heart to it and uh it's funny um has some really good humor to it um but but has has a a heart to it as well and uh just really enjoy it dan Aykroyd, uh and in in his full uh dan Aykroyd ness uh as, as, as the neighborhood big wig and, uh, you know, just, just is, is a funny, funny movie. So I would just recommend this. If it's not in your rotation for the holidays, do check it out. It, it It's a goofy movie. It's a fun movie, but like I said, at the end of the day, it just has a lot of heart to it. And, uh, it's just a different take on probably what would be considered a, a, a very, you know, commonplace theme with, with, with holiday movies in general. So I would just uh, highly recommend Christmas with the cranks. Very nice, sir. Uh, I'm going to continue uh, this theme with my own Christmas movie. Uh, just watched with a family the other night, Spirited, uh, the new Re- Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell flick uh, that's on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, uh, essentially a reworking, retooling, reimagining, if you will. I don't think Ron Moore was involved in this. but Of Scrooge? No. One can never, well, I mean, of A Christmas Carol, which is basic, and they do mention <laughs> Scrooge, which I thought was great because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so like Meta. kind of taking some pages out of that. And then they reference <laughs> it and I'm like, all right, well done. Uh, which is, 
par for the course with Ryan Reynolds because mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds is kind of just playing himself at this point, which is funny because when you when you think about Ryan Reynolds playing himself and Will Ferrell kind of playing himself in every movie, it's like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, we're crossing the streams here. This is bad. Things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but a fun movie. Uh, it's a, it a, a musical. So you got lots of oh, song really? and dance sort of things going on. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Which is surprising, but it's entertaining and a lot of fun. Uh, so I would highly recommend that if you have Apple TV Plus. I think it might actually be in theaters as well, mm. uh, or a limited sort of thing. I thought I thought I saw something about Showtimes, but maybe I'm just hallucinating as I'm doing the googling here. Uh, but yeah, give that a try and have a seltzer as well. Absolutely. Well, folks, we uh, we certainly appreciate y'all tuning in and downloading episodes. And uh, now it is time for us to to pack this on up. Uh, Tim needs to finish his seltzer, and then he's going to down a, a, a quart of eggnog, followed by you know a buttermilk enema. So he has things to do. Put a good dent in that Koval bottle. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. Oh boy, gonna be eating raw steak out of the fridge <laughs> ten o'clock tonight. Ah. <laughs> Doing shots of Worcestershire sauce on top of it. Oh, good stuff. Um, good stuff. But thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, if you'd like to find all of our episodes, you can find us at freerangeadc.com. You can also download, download and subscribe straight through the Podbean app. We're on uh, podcast purveyors of all kinds, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, all of those good things. Just search for Free Range Idiocy. If you would like to find us on the social medias, we'd certainly appreciate it. We are on Facebook. We are on the Twitter. We are, and I almost said the Twitter. We are not on the Twitter anymore because, uh, like I said before, uh, you know, to hell with phony Stark there. Um, so we're on uh, we're on the Down Facebook. We are on the Instagram. We are on the YouTubes. We are on the YouTubes. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy, and you can find us on all of those. Give us a give us a thumbs up, a like. Uh, that'll just you know a follow of whatever. Whatever you do on those different things, uh, just go ahead and do them. <laughs> Waste a little more time. You Why be not? You. <laughs> I mean, it's the end of the year. I mean, nothing's getting done between now and, and January 1st anyways, so you might as well listen to some podcasts and hide from the boss. Uncle Todd is going to provide my dieting tips to you <laughs> yeah. in, these, oh. in these YouTube clips. No, I shan't, because I'm pretty sure you're the only person that's working for. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or any ideas for a show that you would like us to do, send all those to Tim at FreeRangeADC.com. Mm-hmm. He will get back to you forthwith PDQ ASAP, if not faster. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's about time for me to wrap up my uh, my jaw flapping, jaw jacking, just bloviating uh, and I'm going to hand this show over to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show, but not before I ask the second most important question ever uttered by humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being <sighs> what the hell do we learn this episode? Uh, we've learned the following. Oh, good. We've learned. Mm-hmm. The man they call Tim, uh, cream cheese flows through his veins. Oh, my God. At least according to Uncle Todd. Instead of chives, is like bacon chunks. <laughs> Not bacon bits, chunks. Uh, we've also learned uh, Tom Brady going back to the Patriots, probably not the best idea. Probably no. not the best idea. It's like getting back together with your ex-girlfriend after she tossed all your crap out in the lawn. And you had a really bad breakup. And, you know, all your friends told you, like, ah, you're better off without her and everything. And then you're like, hey, guess what? Ugh, just don't. Yeah. Don't. We've also learned Shiki's going to have a biography, ladies and gentlemen, so buckle up. He will humble you. He will humble you.
And, uh, you know, if nothing else we've taken away from this episode that, you know, if you haven't seen Andor, do check it out. It is it is phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. Great storytelling. Uh, great storytelling in the Star Wars universe. And uh, just just a tour de force between Diego Luna, Andy Serkis, and Stellan Skarsgård. Do check it out. Uh, you will not be disappointed and uh, very much looking forward to the next season, which, by my calculation, is probably two to three years out. So, <laughs> yeah, may, may as well buckle up and, and, and just, you know. Well, you can't buckle up. There's no seatbelts in Star Wars. Uh, I see how you did there. You did yeah. there. All right. With all that being said, as we like to close up shop and call it a day, uh, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another, especially well, not especially around this time, all around, year long, be good to one another. Uh, but especially this time of year, uh, the season of giving and of joy. Uh, and as we like to close out, mainly because, uh, you know, HBO is getting rid of Westworld, you know, Westworld and, and Uncle Todd and man, they called him, uh, you know, saving up a few shekels for the holidays. If you would, please. Hit the lights on the way out. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? All of you relax. This is a matter of inconvenient timing, that's all. Police action was inevitable. And because it happens necessary, so let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is simply the beginning. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. (laughs) But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No! You're talking about shenanigans, right? Put those away! Get out. And don't come back. Until you've redeemed yourselves. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki motherfucker. You think Deidre is going to be upset that I'm, I'm referring to his grumpy cat? I think there's there's a snarl. I, I felt a tremor in the force from that snarl. I'll just say it's, that it's totally not making fun. Like that is a that is an utter compliment because I really didn't understand that's how you could get that kind of scowl and downturn expression. I wonder the, if that like, was how the audition worked. Like we need to find someone who can make a scowl just like jump to like you know eleven. I bet that is how it happened. <laughs> You have engaged the curiosity of the ISB. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that line. That was such a great line. <laughs> the irritable bowel syndrome? No, that's IBS. Now get the hell out of here!